Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. Today, we're talking all about dolls. I have a history with dolls. Picture this. It's 1985 in the suburbs of Baltimore, Maryland. I and eight of my friends have a grand idea. You see, we, as many young boys and girls at the time, were obsessed with the Transformers. Oh, yes. We religiously watched the cartoon and collected the dolls, or action figures, if you will, when our allowances permitted. Between the eight of us, we nearly had the entire collection of Transformers that were available at the time. So, our grand idea was to set up the ultimate battle in our apartment building's hallway. It took us hours. One reason, well, some of us were grounded. Others had chores to do before they could come outside. But in the end, we did it. We had all the Autobots and Decepticons ready for battle. How did it turn out? We were actually too tired to have the battle. We just sat there in the hallway on on the floor and looked at our work. And besides, all the adults told us to move because we were in the way. But it was fun, and it showed that no matter who you are, dolls are fun to play with or even just observe. How did we humans become obsessed with dolls? What makes them a special part of our lives, both as children and adults? My guests today are here to explain their love of dolls. My first guest is Linda Boardman. Linda, welcome to This is Nashville. Linda, are you with us? And then we're looking to get a connection over Zoom. Hopefully Linda is with us. Well, I'm going to move on to our other guest. My other guest is Amanda Boylston, who is a Murfreesboro-based doll collector, restorer, and customizer. Amanda, are you with us? Welcome to This is Nashville. We're waiting on Amanda as well, everybody. This is what life is like in the world of Zoom and live radio. We are working on getting the connections together, and that's totally okay. In the meantime, I'm going to regale you with some stories about what life was like for me as dolls. Because, you know, as a young man growing up, and I just told you about that story of being with the Transformers. G.I. Joe was also a doll that we played with. But they were interestingly named action figures for young males. Dolls, action figures, at the end of the day, we all had fun. I used to even go so far as to make action figures or dolls with aluminum foil when I couldn't get one. I think I have my guests with me. Linda, are you with us? I am. How are you, Khalil? I'm doing so well. How about yourself? Very good. Nice to be inside today. I'm telling you, it is cold outside. I'm glad I'm inside as well. And it's really an honor and pleasure to have you on the show with us. So let me ask you, how did you get introduced to the doll collecting world? Well, when I was a little girl... I watched all the catalogs that I could get my hands on, and I loved what was called at that time a Tony doll. The Tony uh, company made home permanents for ladies. We didn't go to the beauty salon then. And they had a promotional doll. They had a an alliance with the Ideal Doll Company, and in 1949, they made a doll that you could give a home permanent to and curl its hair. It was a little girl's dream. So I wanted one for Christmas, and Santa heard that, 
In fact, I laid awake Christmas Eve because I forgot to tell him that it had to be a bride. Okay. Well, Christmas morning, I received a Tony doll. And lo and behold, she was a bride. And that was the beginning of my love for dolls. And I still have her today. Wow. That is something else. Okay, so you've been at it for a while. Tell me, how big is your doll collection now? Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hard question to answer because they range in so many sizes. Some of them are very tiny. I probably have 150 small ones in one cabinet. I'm going to guess maybe 300 uh, of all different types. And from lots of different eras. 300 dolls of all different types from lots of different eras. I'm sure some of yeah. these dolls, particularly the older ones, are probably quite fragile. How do you, how do you store all of these dolls and to make sure that they can you know, remain in functional shape? Well, uh, the, these dolls are an art form. And so one of our priorities as collectors is to do no harm and to keep them for posterity for others to see. So it's definitely um, no different than collecting art. So we learn how that's part of our uh, training and education in our club is how to maintain them, how to keep their clothing uh, clean and properly. We store them in cases and in shelves and cabinets that have um, glass. Uh, Most of them we try to have them where there's no cracks that dust can come through. Mm -hmm. We try to avoid keeping them in light, bright light, sunlight that fades and destroys them. So we have to have protective cases and locations. So you have to have something uh, almost like a fortress, a lot more formidable (laughs) than a uh, Barbie dollhouse, I imagine. Well, I converted a closet into a doll cabinet, and it has lights in it and sliding glass doors. Okay. And then a lot of my friends have wonderful display cases that are uh, dustproof, airproof. I mean, we really have to make arrangements to store them properly or they will deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Now, my next guest is Amanda Boylston. She is from Murfreesboro. She is a doll collector, restorer, and customizer. Amanda, welcome to This is Nashville. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. Well, we all love the doll. It's really great to have you. So tell me, how did you get <laughs> your start into doll collecting? Well, I've always had dolls, um, Barbie dolls. I was a child of the 80s. I had Jim, strawberry shortcake. But when I was eight years old, a woman named Pleasant Roland came out with American Girl dolls. And part of the appeal of that to me was the fact that there were wonderful stories to go with them. I was an avid reader as a child. There were stories throughout American history, what it was like to be a girl, a nine-year-old girl at different points in history. Um, So that to me really appealed. And I poured over those catalogs that I would get in the mail. I wanted everything in there and saved up birthday, Christmas money, allowances, and bought my very first doll in 1987. And it was Samantha. And she was the only one I had as a child. 
as an adult, I have a 22-year-old, and she got into collecting. And I also have a four-year-old, hmm. and she has dolls as well. Okay. And I have more than either one of them combined. How many do you have about? <laughs> American Girl 18-inch dolls, probably close to 200 of them. Wow. Um, don't tell my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. I, I'm curious, like... So you have 200 American Girl dolls. What is the financial investment that you put into these? You could give us a ballpark. Of course, we don't want your husband to know the exact number. Well, it's probably not as much as you think because I buy a lot of them secondhand and restore them. I, I get them from, for $10 and I can make them look brand new. So it's not quite as much as you would think. It's not the price of a brand new doll for every doll I have. Okay. Most of my dolls are secondhand. Now, I understand you're... You have more a lot of interest in modern dolls. What are some of your favorites? Um, I really didn't used to have the interest in the modern dolls um, until I worked for American Girl for a while and saw, but there were some really neat outfits and accessories for them. Um, the Girl of the Year line is something that's really interesting from American Girl because each year there's a different girl with a different story, different interests. Um, so that's something that I started collecting. And then I started customizing dolls um, to look like children, to look like movies or characters. Um, so that's that's really the interest of the modern to me. It's just their clothes are constantly changing. There's constantly new accessories for them. They have a sports car. Mm. You know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now, I, too, am a child of the 80s, and I remember the craze over the Cabbage Patch dolls. Oh, I cannot believe I forgot to mention that. My mother almost <laughs> got mauled trying to get me my preemies. <laughs> you know, mine as well. And that was kind of the first time at least I had seen such a fervor and frenzy for acquiring dolls like this. It seemed like when Cabbage Patch dolls first hit the market, everybody was at the store literally fighting to get one for their child what do you think that fervor and energy was really about? Goodness, that, that's really hard to say. I mean, they were all different. They were all unique. They all came with a name and a birth certificate. It was just the thing. Um, I had several. I still remember my first one's name. Her name was Lorraine Irene. Her birthday was October 1st. So, uh, <laughs> it was just, it was something new and different, I think. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I know a little bit about American Girl from our producer, Elizabeth Burton, who I know is a friend of yours. I hear yes. she she's a fan of historical characters, but what about you? Do you like the historical characters that come in American Girl dolls? To me, that's what American Girl is. Um, I consider myself an OG AG fan. Um, there were only three dolls when I was eight years old, um, Samantha, Kirsten, and Molly. And yes, that is the backbone of this company. It was what it was founded on. And to me, it's the most interesting part. Just the little details and the accessories you can get that match up with what the dolls have in their books and in their stories to me was always so fascinating. And the books, they're really well written. They really did a lot of research into these books, putting them together so the, the characters themselves are fictional, but most of what happens in their books is accurate to their time periods. Did these books and these detailed stories help the dolls come to life for you as you played with them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, just imagining I had, you know, like I said, I had Samantha just imagining her having her little tea party or putting on her sailor dress with her little whistle. Um, I wish I could have had all of them, but yes, it, it totally opened up my imagination because I had kind of a, a guide as far as her story to how I could play with her, but I could also make her be modern if I wanted to. Now I have this question for both of you, Amanda and Linda, you know, dolls are normally marketed at children. I'm curious, what drew you to them as an adult? Linda, you go first. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, you know, I love to go to estate sales, and I found a lot of wonderful old dolls at these estate sales. And at one of those, I met uh, one of the members of our local doll club, the Dixie Dollars. And she was just so much fun and told me so much about these older dolls, some of them antiques, and told me that there was a club that studied these and their focus was on education and would I be interested in joining. So in 2006, I joined the Dixie Dollars, and it was just enlightening to me. And from there, I started being sort of like Amanda, being interested in different types of dolls I didn't think I was going to be. But I learned so much and started collecting from there. That's why I have such a huge variety. I learned to like a whole lot of different types of dolls and learned about the manufacturing process and how to uh, repair them and just a lot of uh, uh, interesting, very interesting hobbies. Mm -hmm. Amanda, what about you? What, what drew you to them as an adult? I don't think I ever really stopped being drawn to them as, you know, as a child. I just continued always buying them and collecting them. I always had them in my room on my shelf. Um, that's probably not something that I shared with all of my friends. Um, but as I've gotten older, I don't really mind sharing that I am a huge doll collector. Um, and yeah, I've gotten interested in some different types of dolls too. I restored a Shirley Temple doll for my mother-in-law and one for my mother. Um, and that was really interesting. It's a completely different kind of doll. There's just so many different types of dolls out there. And it's like with any kind of thing you collect, there's lots of different varieties of it. What does it it's mean? Really interesting. Question for you. What does it mean to you that you've turned your children into doll enthusiasts? Well, my oldest, not so much. My youngest. Um, yeah, it it's something that we can share. It, it's a really, I think it's a really pure hobby and it's something that helps foster imaginative play. It's, it's just something that connects us. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be back right after this. We got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll hear from doll collectors who both create and restore dolls. How old are the dolls they work with? How much are they worth? Stay tuned to find out. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. According to the website oldest.org, the paddle doll, which was invented in Egypt during the late pre-dynastic period and is believed to be the oldest doll ever, 
It's a clay figurine that's shaped like a human body with a paddle-shaped head, and these dolls were found in graves and are thought of as being burial gifts for the dead. Now, old dolls represent memories of childhood for many adults. If you still have your dolls around, you can take a look at their condition. Are they mint, as the collectors say? What is needed to bring them back into shape? What about creating your own dolls? My next guest is a master of dolls and dolls restora restoration. So let's get to learn how they capture the magic of dolls. She is Dr. Carla Davis. She's the president of the Dixie Dollars, a historic doll collecting club in Middle Tennessee. Welcome, Carla. How are you? I'm great. Wonderful. You know, it's really great to have you. Now, before the break, we were listening to Amanda and Linda as they were talking about their doll collecting journeys. Does anything that they mentioned, does that resonate with you? Very much so. Um, I've been a doll collector since I was a toddler, and I've always had a doll around me. And uh, as I grew older, I became more sophisticated and tried to educate myself. But I can certainly resonate with both Amanda and Linda. What kind of dolls do you collect? I collect all kinds of dolls, but I would say that I focus on antique bisque dolls, German Ooh. and French. Okay. Okay. Now, tell me this. You got your first doll when you were a toddler. When did you get your first, quote unquote, nice doll? I was probably uh, 40 years old. I'm now 76. I was probably about 40 years old, and I went to uh, with my mother to a doll sale, and I'd never seen any dolls like this. And uh, I was taken with the beauty and the historical value of these dolls, and I was able to purchase one on a 12-month layaway. Wow. So I had to pay every month, and at the end of 12 months, I received my gorgeous doll, who, and I still have that doll in my collection. What was that like for you as a young person? I, re I remember the days of layaway, 12 months, an entire year. Did you use your allowance for it? Did you get like little jobs helping people out for money to pay for your doll? I, I scrimped and saved on anything I could do. And uh, so I would have enough money to make my monthly payment mm. and uh, get my wonderful, beautiful uh, antique doll. Now, you know, I understand that some of these dolls, these older dolls are a little bit more valuable, are not necessarily American made. What countries are known for having very, very high priced, valued quality dolls? I would say France was the uh, birthplace of the antique bisque doll. And I have a few French dolls. I would like to have many more. Um, and they made beautiful beautiful dolls, mainly for the upper uh, echelon. And uh, I would say people like you and I probably wouldn't be buying those dolls now or then. Um, then Germany noticed uh, the beautiful dolls coming out of France and emulated those. And they were able to make uh, great strides in marketing their dolls all over the world, including the United States. So I would say those are the two countries that started it all. Germany and France. Now, yes. what would you say is the hardest to find in our region between modern dolls, antique dolls, and vintage dolls? I, I think modern dolls are fairly easy to find. You can do them at, find them at estate sales, a doll sale. Um, antique dolls 
can be found at estate sales as well, but they're usually the lower quality. The really high quality dolls uh, you would need to purchase at a regional doll sale or online at a doll auction house such as Thury Alts or Fraser's Dolls. So doll sales are big business these days, huh? Well, the Dixie Dollars hope so because we're going to have one in April, April 20th at the Woodmont Baptist Church and we'll be selling every kind of doll. What? Corn husk, composition dolls, vinyl dolls, Barbies, American Girl, and hopefully some nicer bisque dolls. Mm -hmm. What can people expect when they show up? There'll be tables and we will have all our wares for sale at great prices. And you can just uh, walk around the tables and see if something tickles your fancy. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems like the Dixie Dollars have cornered the market in doll collection here. I would like to introduce my next guest, Ann Cummings, who is a doll collector and also a member of the Dixie Dollars. Ann, welcome to This Is Nashville. Oh, well, thank you. Really a pleasure to have you here with us. Now, we heard from all of our other guests about how they got their start in doll collecting. So I have to ask you, how did you come to be a doll collector? Like the others, I started as a child. And then um, there was a long lag in there between the time that I actually played with dolls as a child. I always kept them, of course. And when I began uh, actually doll collecting, and I'd say that was probably in the 1990s. Now, when you're looking for dolls to collect, do you go for something that's pristine and in great great you know, composition, or are you looking for something that's a little bit of a fixer-upper? Well, I, I typically restore antique dolls. That was what I decided to do for my retirement job. So I have a lot of dolls that I have gotten that needed work and repair, and I repair for other people also. So I don't always look to have the most pristine doll. Now, there are some in my collection where I have tried to be sure that I got the very best doll because they were the more expensive best dolls. So I didn't want to buy a fixer upper. Now, you know, I can imagine that it probably is a little intimidating to try to do repairs and potentially, you know, you, you could potentially make something worse on a doll that you find that is incredibly valuable, needs some work. How did you feel when you started and how did you learn how to restore and repair dolls? Well, I have a degree in, in art and I've done and I've sculpted a lot of things for I've sculpted dolls for a couple of companies. So I had worked on the process of creating a doll myself. And um, then my husband is a chemical engineer, so he knows paint uh, formulations and so on. So we really can restore them using the same techniques that they were used to make them. All right. Now, since we're remote today due to the weather, you sent us uh -huh. some photos of a restoration project that you did for the Cookville Museum before Correct. and after are pretty, pretty remarkable. Tell me about the process of restoring this doll. Well, that doll was uh, in found in the attic of the Cookville Doll Museum after the tornado that tore off the front of the building. So they got up into the attic and they found a huge... Uh, bin of doll parts and they called me and said shall we just throw it away and I said no don't throw it away <laughs> so they brought it to my house and we went through and we probably got 
$30 out of that big bin of parts. And that was one that was at the bottom. She was missing two arm sockets and a leg socket and a lot of different body parts. And the parts on these large German dolls are wood and uh, composition and they're ball jointed. So I had to, to sleuth out the parts that were missing from other places and put her back together and sand and fill and put all those parts back together and then repaint her and restring her and, and restore. How long did that take? A mm, couple of weeks, probably. So it's, a, it's a, a few week process on each doll that you restore. Question I have for you. Do you have a lot of pieces in local museums? Yes, I have. Well, I have a lot of them that I've restored for Cookville because they're after the tornado, they needed a lot of work. And then I've restored for a lot of other people, too, mm-hmm. as well as ones that I resell. And I can imagine that restoring dolls to their former glory can really help preserve some of the sentimental value, too. I have my buddy friend. I have a buddy right now, Friendly Bear Jr. I got him when I was a kid. I got him when I was a kid, had him all the way through college. I kind of lost him at 24. Uh, uh, my then girlfriend at the time, he he had seen some wear and tear, particularly during the college years. Um, he he had a good time partying, let's say. And yeah. he kind of fell apart a little bit. My girlfriend at the time was going to try to restore him. It didn't go well, and he did not survive the surgery. Um, I did get Friendly Bear Jr. for my 50th birthday from the family, you know, so I'm protecting him with every everything I have. Dude, did you did you ever get projects from people that just kind of wanted their tra- childhood treasures fixed up so they could? Oh, yes. I get a lot of those. I got a, a man who had a doll this Christmas from his it was his great great grandmother's doll and he wanted her restored she was a german ball jointed doll he wanted her restored to give to his granddaughter so he brought her to me and she 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 was in bad shape she needed a lot of work and i got her fixed and he brought the grand her, his granddaughter over with him to pick her up for her christmas present so that was really nice and fun I'm sure that is. Now, Linda Boardman and Amanda Boylston are still with us. Question, you know, some people pass down family heirlooms in the form of jewelry. We just heard about the restoration of this doll that this man's great-great-grandmother had. Do you see that with any of the vintage and antique dolls that you come across, Linda? I do. Um, A number of my friends know that I collect dolls and that I've learned from Anne how to repair them. So some of their dolls that they had from childhood, I can't tell you how many, but I have restored and repaired a lot of my friends' childhood dolls from probably the 40s and 50s more than any other era. Mm -hmm. Um, Using a lot of the techniques. Now, I'm not an artist, but I've learned about how to treat the fabrics that were unique to that era, how to... uh, clean them without destroying them, which I have done that too, you know. You're you're mm. supposed to not have any uh, damage, but that happens. If you work with this a lot, that happens. 
What are uh, yeah. what are some of the hardest parts about restoration? Well, and would be better at answering this, but since many of the dolls were manufactured in the late 1800s using materials that were breakable and uh, they, the porcelain or the bisque cracks, um, it's hard to fix a crack where you can't see it. And uh, collectors do not want to buy a doll that was cracked and repaired. So they use a black light to examine inside their heads to see if this head, doll head, has had a crack. Mm. And so that's just about impossible. You can fix it where you can't see it unless you blacklight it. Okay. But if you're selling a doll for several thousand dollars, that's an antique. Um, a, a real collector wants one that's perfect. And That's the most difficult thing to fix. Okay. And what are some of the really, really difficult, minute parts of restoration that are just extremely hard to accomplish? Well, I've done them a long, long time. So um, the, the, some of them don't feel to me like they're so hard. But I would say that a lot of uh, people in rest restorers have a hard time with uh, replacing the the glass uh, sleep eyes in dolls, in antique dolls. And uh, that includes to, you know, you have to open up the head and and they're placed, they have a weight in the, at the back of the eyes. It's hard to describe unless I can show you. And that causes their eyes to sleep. And often the eyes are broken. And when they storm with their laying on their back where the eyes are pulling on the, plaster weights then those fall out mm -hmm. so that all has to be put back in so that the eyes can sleep and that's difficult also difficult is when they string the doll so tight that they break the neck socket out and then you have to rebuild the entire neck socket or the arm sockets so it's a lot of intricate doll surgery if you will Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's major surgery. <laughs> That's right. Now, Amanda, I understand that you own a business called Love Again Dolls, where you sell restored and customized dolls on Etsy. Did you ever imagine that this would turn into a business or a source of income for you? Never, um, especially because I wasn't really into art when I was in school. Um, but it's something that I really enjoy. I started as a hobby after my youngest was born because I had to you know, be home with her and I just needed something to keep me occupied. And I learned how to change eyes. I learned how to swap wigs on the dolls, how to restring them, how to do the face paint. Um, and then ultimately I just take off all the factory paint and just start fresh on the dolls that I sell in my shop. Mm. Uh, now, you know, all of this talk about the care that you all put into dolls and restoring them, dolls that have seen damage, I feel a little bit guilty. And I think I have to offer a public apology to my sisters because several times over the years in childhood, I took their dolls, let's say I took their dolls hostage. And um, I, I recognize now that I have to apologize. So Saida, Janine, and Afi, and Shade, I'm sorry for holding your dolls hostage to things because I know how valuable they are to you. Now, it's something that I think we this past summer about just about everybody saw the Barbie movie where Kate McKinnon's character, Weird Barbie, let's just say she had seen better days. 
And have you ever seen dolls in bad shape like that? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've seen dolls in every kind of shape. They, I mean, it's amazing. I've had some that the dogs have chewed their feet off and the brothers have hit their heads and, you know, really in bad condition. And you bring them right back. That's that's fantastic. Now, Linda, you mentioned how interested in the history and stories behind the dolls that you collect. Some people might make an argument that dolls are for kids, that they're meant to be played with. So it's not really a bad thing if they end up worse for wear. Linda, tell me, what do you think about that? Well, I think you're right. A lot of people... Um, when they they do not want to spend the night in the room where some of my display cases are, and I hear a lot of people say that. Um, but I did a little research before our call to tell you this: uh, we are a member of our our doll club, the Dixie Dollars, is the Nashville or one of the Nashville clubs that's a member of the United Federation of Doll Clubs, and I asked the membership chairman today how many members there are because I really don't know. We have huge annual conventions and we have a lot of people that do what we do. They have 6,300 members today and 357 clubs Mm. and some of them are worldwide. So, you know, we're trying to explain to people that this is an art form. It's a wonderful hobby. It's not scary. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think some of those movies did did us more harm than good. Um, but a lot of people don't realize what exactly we do when they walk in our homes and see these cabinets full of dolls. Uh, yes, we love dolls. That's but right. we're caretakers. That's what we are for future generations. These These dolls have been around for a while. And question for those of you who sell dolls. Can I ask... What's the most expensive doll you've sold to date is? Well, I personally have sold dolls in the $500 range, probably the the most expensive one I've sold. But nationally, I mean, dolls sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, A a doll just recently sold on a Terry Alts auction, which was a... uh, Japanese friendship doll for $250,000 about. Wow. So, I mean, there can be a lot of money in the doll area. Can I ask each of you, I'd love to hear each of you tell me, what is the most valuable doll that you have in your collection? Dr. Dr. Davis? Well, I I would say that my most valuable doll is an antique French doll, a Steiner doll, and it's probably worth... I, I hate to say this because my children are going to have heart attacks, but <laughs> it's probably worth about $5,000. Okay. Okay. Amanda, what's the most valuable doll you have in your collection? I have a 1987 Dreamer I Molly that's worth around $1,300. Um, there are some American Girl dolls that are signed by Pleasant Roland that are $5,000 plus. Um, one day I'm going to find one of those for a reasonable price. Okay. Okay, that's that's really important. Um, Anne, what's the most doll you have? Well, um, I was trying to think. I, I, I think probably my most valuable one is a Jameau uh, ED, and uh, she's probably worth about 5500 to 6000 
right in that area. Wow. Wow. And Linda, what's the most valuable doll you own? Well, I also find the French dolls to be the most valuable. Uh, they're probably the rarest. And I have one made by, uh, I think his first name is Leonardo Cashmere Brew. I don't think that's right, but Brew is his last name. She's kind of got a faint smile on her face. So she's called a smiling brew. She was made around 1875 to 80. And she's worth today about $4,000. Wow. That's something else. Now, Amanda, I'm curious. It sounds like this community, this panel, all four of you that I'm talking to are, have a tight-knit community here in Middle Tennessee. But I'm sure nationally there's got to be competition among collectors for who has a better collection. Is that something that you see and run into? found it to be really a competition. We're all really proud to show our collections to each other. Um, I don't think we're competitive at all, although I, I would like to have, you know, my signed trio of original dolls. But <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. Let's take one more quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to more members of the doll collecting community here in Middle Tennessee and see what the popular doll of choice is here. And do you have doll memories? What's your favorite? Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Kaliole Colonna, and this is Nashville. Today, we've been learning about dolls and why they hold a special place in the hearts of so many people. Now, before the break, we heard about who from folks who create and restore dolls. Now, let's learn a little bit more about the doll collecting community here in Middle Tennessee and what it means to their members. My guests are Dr. Carla Davis, president of the Dixie Dollars, Amanda Boylston, owner of Loved Again Dolls Tennessee, and Linda Boardman, local doll collector. Thanks to you all for being with us. Now, before we jump back into conversation, I do want to hear from each of you about what is the one doll in your collection that you would absolutely never, ever part with. Amanda, what's yours? I have a custom doll that was made by a very talented doll artist. Her name is Kit Kat. She was made from an American Girl Kit doll. I would never part with that doll. She has a, a little personality, and you can actually find her on my Instagram account quite often. Okay. Okay. Linda, what's the doll that you're not giving up? Well, I think the first one I told you about, the one I got for Christmas when I was five, the uh, Tony doll. She's uh, She started it all, and I still have her. I would. Okay. Now, bef I want to. Think about this. Linda, you know, we've talked a little bit about the Dixie Dollars earlier this hour. Can you give me a brief rundown of the history of this group? I sure can. I, uh, one of the things that we were so blessed with as a club is the foresight of our early members to keep scrapbooks. Uh, you know, you think about scrapbooking today. They kept photos, newspaper articles, records of what they did. They started in 1952, so this club is about to be 72 years old. And they focused from the very beginning on education. They did a lot for the community. One of the things they did um, early, maybe in the 60s, was uh, they gave 
some of their best antiques to the um, mansions in, or in and around Nashville, the historic mansions like Bellmead Mansion and Cheekwood. They gave dolls to these mansions so that tourists and visitors could see what little girls played with in the era of those big plantation homes. Uh, they also um, had a project with the Children's Museum, you know, that's the Adventure Science Center now. Uh, every month for about 19 years, they created a display case and changed it every month so children coming through there would have an example of the dolls and what you do with dolls. It was an educational program for almost 20 years. Then um, more recently, um, we've taken doll shows to senior living facilities um, so that uh, it's so neat to see them fall in love with dolls they remembered they had when they were growing up. Um, another kind of thing that the Dixie Dollars is famous for is uh, the, uh, like Ann said, the restoring of those dolls for the Cookville Doll Museum. Uh, we're always looking for philanthropic opportunities and educational opportunities with the community. Um, one of the best things that happened to, I guess, enlighten our community about the doll collecting enterprise was in uh, 2019, the national organization, the United Federation of Doll Clubs, had their annual convention at Opryland. And so we were proud to host a luncheon there and rather a dinner there and, and have all of these people see our city and also have our city meet these doll collectors. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand you all meet monthly. Um, Carla, what are those meetings like? Does everybody bring their dolls in? We, we have an educational program, usually given by one of our members. And um, it'll be on any subject from modern to antique dolls. Uh, people will bring dolls to... Um, Sorry about that. People will bring dolls to to show and sell. And uh, you, sometimes we'll meet in people's houses and and they and uh, members would be able to see their collections. So we try to show as many dolls as possible. Are there other doll clubs here in town? Yes, there are. As a matter of fact, uh, several members of the Dixie Dollars are also members of other doll clubs. One is the Grand Old Doll Club, and they that club specializes in Madame Alexander dolls. They're very knowledgeable and have also educational meetings uh, about Madame Alexander dolls. What's special about Madame Alexander dolls? I've never heard of those. They that this is a company that started in the '30s by a lady named. Um, Oh, I can't remember her name. Anyway, Madam Alexander, she started making dolls uh, out of composition and cloth, and then she began to make hard plastic and vinyl dolls. And the company actually has changed hands several times, but still makes dolls today. They're highly, they're very well made. They're made up, they're historical figures, bride dolls dolls for holidays, and they're extremely collectible. 
Now, Amanda, your focus is more on modern dolls. Tell me, do you feel like you, you have a little bit of an easy time finding other adult collectors? So there's a huge community of AG adult collectors. It's very easy to find them. I also, I heard that there is an American Girl store down at Franklin. I understand that you used, you used to work there. What was that like? It was the best job ever. Um, just getting to go to work. And I did a lot of displays and did doll hair. Um, and just being able to share my joy of dolls with children and also their parents who had the dolls when they were younger. They were, you know, they would gift their doll to their younger child and they would bring it into the store. Um, these dolls are made to last. So they're they're very um, well-made and can be passed down. Now, you said you do doll hair. I've seen my sisters attempt to be beauticians for their dogs. How, for their dolls, how hard is it to do a doll's hair, particularly in more modern styles? It's a little challenging at first, especially because I had never done hair. Um, but once you get it down and you learn the basics of it, um, the most important thing to remember is to always spritz your doll's hair with water before you style it, but keep it out of their eyes because that could damage the eyes. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, for those more vintage and antique items, is it easy to find those down here in middle Tennessee? And we've got, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry Ann. Sure you were talking to me. My, my apologies. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can find them. I found several, I found some actually wonderful antique dolls at an estate sale that was off highway 100 a couple of years ago. And, you can occasionally, you just have to watch and, and watch the uh, estatesale.net um, site and see, you know, to see if there are any dolls in a particular sale. And so it's, it's possible. And then, of course, we all buy from each other. Mm -hmm. And Amanda, <laughs> do, do you think that it's, um, it's difficult? Is it difficult to find some of those rare items here in Middle Tennessee? Um, it can be, yes. A lot of times I'll find them on eBay or different um, sites like that, and they won't be coming from Tennessee. I don't find a lot of the older Pleasant Company vintage American Girl items at thrift stores in Tennessee, no. You know, I know some people, they find dolls a little bit creepy. Sometimes I do. Sometimes. Only sometimes. What would you say to folks who haven't quite figured out why dolls are so special? Well, I, I think it's because they don't know the history of some of the more antique dolls. I mean, for instance, a, a French poupée doll was not really to be played with. It was to show off um, the clothing designs at the at the time. The the French designers would put them in their windows with it and make a small replica of a lady's dress, and then the lady would come in and pick her dress from that doll because it would take yards and yards of fabric to make a huge dress for to fit someone. So, I mean, they were used for many different reasons, even here in this country. And uh, in about 1900, a lot of the sewing classes would require doll girls to bring a ball-jointed German doll to sewing class so they could learn to sew for her because they were proportionally made. 
Now, I've got just about a minute left. Amanda, for anyone out there who's curious about dolls, who remembers having dolls when they were younger, what would you, how would you advise them to get back into not just, you know, exploring dolls, but collecting dolls and finding, capture, recapturing that moment of joy from their youth? Um, I would say check out some of the different groups on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram. There's whole communities of adult collectors who are always more than happy to show off pictures of their dolls and give any advice that you might need. Um, it, it really is a really welcoming and wonderful community to be a part of. What is the preeminent social media page for doll collectors out there? Mm. Well, for American Girl, there, there's several different Facebook groups that I frequent. Um, there's a group called American Girl Doll Obsessed um, that has a pretty large following. All right. There's also a Facebook group for French fashion dolls also that's that's very, very informative. That's wonderful. I really, really appreciate all of you for being here. And thank you for telling us about dolls. My guests were Dr. Carla Davis, president of the Dixie Dollars, Amanda Boylston, owner of Loved Again Dolls Tennessee, Linda Boardman, local doll collector, and Ann Cummings, doll collector of Dixie Dollars. Again, I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton. It was directed by our senior producer, Tasha A.F. Lemley. Our technical director and board operator is Liv Lombardi. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The conversation doesn't end here. Always tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. And good to your dolls as well.